Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day, and it feels really good to say that. It's been a couple months since I've had this guy sitting next to me. He has been off with the birth of his daughter, and it's just good to have you back. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Hello, hello to you and uh, everyone else out there. We uh, we appreciate you guys being patient with us as I, uh, as John mentioned, had uh, the birth of my second child. I got a little boy and a girl now, so that and the dog were uh, pretty much uh, the American dream and can be done for, I suppose. Do you have a white picket fence? No. It's just not painted. You have a fence, but it's not painted. Yeah, it's actually even broken one section, so. Already? That was a while back, a tree, you know, stuff happens. Well, a lot's happened since you've been gone. You know, we we started a Facebook group to have people uh, still be able to reach out and talk to you, which has now grown to have 1,400 people in it. And uh, we have plenty of guests that came through. We upgraded our equipment a little bit. We we went, uh, went to the Nashville Whiskey Festival. We did a whole bunch of stuff while you were gone. You know, what, what's kind of been going on in your life? Tell everybody what you've been doing. Pretty much run-of-the-mill things, work, come home, chase and hang out with a couple of kids. They go to bed, trying to go for a run, catch up with social media and whatnot. Um, I think I've, I've kept up and followed along pretty well. I've commented on most things I could keep up with and tried to stay active. Um, I don't know, still still acquiring and, and keeping up with the, uh, the, the bourbon, whiskey, rye, however you want to look at it, world fairly well, I think. I've been dealing with a, a two-year-old that does not want to go down anymore and, and has had us up since like, till like 1030 at night. If you follow our Facebook group, we, I, I posted a big pour one night after it was like 1045 and I just got her down and I was like, yeah, okay. It was a long night. Time for this. But I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for sticking to to bourbon during the, those those times i uh i'm a weaker man and uh, i just go for some vodka i can crush <laughs> as soon as i get home from that run man there's a big pour and uh i go walk the dog and just gulp that thing down literally i really wish people could see your mustache right now because it's starting to get to the point of the sides where you can kind of twirl it like are you going for that look where you can make the no the- no handlebars just go on a vintage old western, like a you know White Herb or a Doc Holiday or something. No, you look like that dude in the ranch and uh, the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, Sam uh, Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott. If I get my voice that deep, man, I'd be a rich man probably. You know, he acts, but he could really just sit home in a pair of shorts and do a bunch of voiceover work. Oh, easy. I mean, I, I need these vocal cords to mature to that level of uh, deep and educated and raspy. Oh, he's great. Have you you watched The Ranch yet? (laughs) Just so we don't go into a rabbit hole on this, I did end up watching it. One of my employees recommended it and swore it was good to me. I have watched all of it. I swear it's not good, even though I've watched all of it. It's just really good filler. Like when I'm fixing the kid's supper and I want something on the TV that I can look at. And if I don't look at or, you know, I miss a few minutes... It's really not hard to piece back together what happened. No, the dad's mad at the kids and, you know, it, something's going it, on. It, and It's very simple. So if you need a good filler show off of Netflix, I'd recommend it as that. But uh, don't don't expect to be wowed by the content. No, but I think I, I just like watching Sam Elliott, you know. 
And and uh, Jack Bauer's daughter from Twenty Four. I never watched that show. Oh, Alicia Cuthbert in their name. Yeah, that's yeah. the show you got to watch. It's Twenty Four, The Shield. Anything with commercials, I don't watch. The Wire. Nothing with commercials. It's not for me. Maniac is really good on uh, Netflix right now. A side note. But one of the things that happened while you were gone is on the boards, MGP is going for $600. What is going on? Well, I mean, to be all fair and honest, this didn't happen while I was gone. And there was a a very short list of a few things that I really wanted to try and knock out and do that I thought would be really good shows. Um, And Mother Nature just didn't quite allow the time for either one of us to get together and get that done. Um, But one of those topics was definitely, um, at least in mine or probably our opinion, MGP has, you know, to me, officially jumped the shark. There's just so much hype around, especially the aged products now. Um, and I think when you couple that with people that are newer to bourbon, newer to secondary boards, etc., cetera, uh, you're really seeing a lot of products that are going for a price that is far more than they're worth, which obviously it's secondary that happens, but I think more of a, I don't know the best way to, to put that, but uh, I guess salt in the wound for lack of better words. But because these people are so new to it, they're paying more and also overlooking other products that are the same thing. Uh, hint, Blom Brothers versus Smooth Ambler Old Scouts. I mean, I think there's plenty of guys out there that have had both, and they tell you that Smooth Ambler crushes anything they're ever going to have from Blom. Well, I'm sure there's a, you know an exception here and there, but when you're looking at those being still 100, 150, even some of the picks that are, you know, highly known as far as, you know, by name or sticker or whatever, you know, 175, 250 tops most of the time. And then you've got all this other stuff that's coming out at 400 or more. It's like, hey, man, um, good bottle there, but you could have got three of these that are most likely better juice for the same price. You know, who's winning here? And we're going to get into a discussion. We are not going to do a blind today. What we actually have on the table here is a collection of MGP that we are going through and tasting. So we have some Smooth Ambler Old Scout. We have a Bellmead Single Barrel, Bellmead Reserve. We have Mare Pingree. We have this W.H. Harrison Indiana Street Bourbon Whiskey Governor's Reserve. We have a Mic Drop. We have OKI. And there's a couple more on here that are all a collection of MGP products that Zeke and I are really just kind of passing around and tasting and trying to find differences. But you know, there's a whole bunch of others besides these that we have on the table, right, Zeke, that are getting their Oh, uh, yeah, but there's, from. there's stuff all over. And I even posted in our group earlier in the week, you know, where are people now getting their MGP fixes just because I think Somewhat regionally, there's probably still some small distilleries that they may not have bought a ton of barrels, but uh, I think it'd be interesting to really see the footprint of, you know, who and where are all these people that are sitting on MGP barrels. Wait, you mean there's a method to our madness sometimes when we post? No, no, that's pure coincidence. (laughs) John, come on, buddy. You know I'm lucky. No, that, I mean, it's a good post (laughs) and it was getting, uh, it was getting our wheels turning. Before we even get into this, a little bit about MGP. A lot of people hear MGP. They don't always know what that means. MGP is Midwest Grain Products of Indiana. 
They have their own products out. They are primarily a contract distiller, but they have their own products. They have Till Vodka, they have George Remus Bourbon, and they have Rossville Union Straight Rye. You might be surprised to know that their biggest customer is Diageo. That is the company that buys the most product from MGP. If you think about it, some of it isn't always bourbon that they're buying. They are getting George Dickel rye and the whiskey family, but MGP does produce more than just brown alcohol. I mean, I think if they're their biggest buyer, it's not for George Dickel rye. No. <laughs> I've yet to see that fly off the shelves, although I will admit it that it's the, the only Dickel product I like. But... The distillery was founded in 1847. It was purchased by Seagram in 1933, which is probably what a lot of people refer to MGP as, is the old Seagram's facility in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Um, later on, when Seagram's went out of business, it was bought by Pernod Richard. In 2007, it was sold to CL Financial, which renamed it LDI, or Lawrenceburg Distillers of Indiana. But in October of 2011, it was sold to MGP Ingredients and renamed Midwest Grain Products of Indiana. The reason I bring this up, and before we even get into this, if you think about the runs of MGP that everybody talks about, it wasn't even MGP. It was LDI at the time. Now, granted, I'm sure a lot of the same people still work there, all the you know, all the stuff that's in there is the same equipment, but you know this stuff that's coming out now, a lot of it that everybody loves was distilled in 2006. I look at the table here and the things that we love, you know, that Bellmead run, that Bellmead run was 20, uh, was October of 2006 that everybody talks about. This old scout that you brought here today, it's barrel 2867. It was bottled in April of 2016, but it's a 10-year-old and was distilled in 2006. Or five, but somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, but you know, a lot of the stuff that everybody loves was 2006 MGP. So when these things come out now, and it's an eight-year-old, and I know it was distilled in 2010. Yes, it's still LDI. Uh, and this is almost kind of a, a, a big question here, and this is, I don't want to bury the lead. Let's just start off with it. After this run of 2006 is over, you think that 2005, 2006 time period, those are the ones that everybody got all hyped about. And when they went eight, nine, 10, 11 years, 12 and 13 years of those can sometimes even be over-oaked. And that's another conversation that we should have. But is this almost like Stitzelweller where that was the, that was it. You know, when that kind of is done, we have new people coming in is the honey barrel period of MGP over. I mean, I think that would just simply require looking at, you know, when ownership changed, as long as they kept sourcing their grains from the same places, kept buying barrels from the same places. Ideally, it's just kind of like, um, you know, the show must go, you know, must go on or will go on, however you want to look at it. But I wouldn't foresee any changes if you don't, if none of the primary factors are, are being altered. Well, is this almost like you have that really, really good run? I, I haven't seen, I don't like the newer stuff as much as I like that run of, 
2006. Well, I mean, you can say run, but I think it's more than a run if you look at well, it's all a the different places that have been sourced. This isn't like, you know, Four Roses where you can find a week's worth of distilling of the same mash that all sat in a rick next to each other. And you know those all came off the line pretty much at the same time. I mean, there had to be months that passed as much juice is out and still coming out of, of aged product. Well, hey, Forrest Gump ran for years. You know, I'm just a, saying. A run isn't For just, that to be as long as it presumably, presumably would be, then if they didn't change where they're buying the grains, where they're getting their wood, product shouldn't be changing. But I, I do think what's more interesting to me is that in the you know roughly 8 to 10 year age statement space, I haven't seen or know of anyone that's putting out single barrel MGPs. And there's roughly a two year window of I don't see anything on the market of anyone offering picks or even just selling single barrels with that age statement. Um, you know, Bell Mead's reserve thing now, the blend they have says seven to 11, but you'd think if they had something closer to eight or nine, they would still do a single barrel program with it because when they first started their single barrel program, it was nines. You know, to that degree, I would just have to assume that the majority of all this stuff that, you know, Bell Mead's blending now in the reserve, you know, it may say a seven to 11 range, but I think it's a ton of seven with about 10% of 11 because surely if they actually had some eights or nines out of those, there would inevitably be a few honey barrels they could offer up to keep the pick program, you know, thriving more than it is now, which is you know, damn near a dead end. Well, but I think in that same vein, right, a lot of these people, and, and if you think about the economics behind all of this, a lot of these distilleries bought up these barrels that came from that time period. And, you know, we, we talked about it with Sean Josephs from Pinhook in here and how incredibly cheap those barrels were to get at that time. MGP doesn't cost what it used to cost to get. So I think you're seeing these distilleries that bought up barrels on the cheap thinking, I mean, if you think about Smooth Ambler and you think about Bellmead, you think about OKI slash New Riff, these companies bought the barrels thinking that, you know what, this is going to tide us over until our own stuff is up and running. Uh, Bellmead, I think it's, it's, you know, a little bit different because they decided to go ahead and wait another year for their uh, whiskey to age so they'll be releasing it around july 4th next year but these companies would buy all these barrels they'd say okay this is going to last us until our, our stuff is ready the problem is everybody really really liked that stuff and it moved around from smooth ambler to bellmead to blom brothers to new riff to now we're at a point you know, this stuff is going incredibly high on secondary. We have Bellmead just announced today that they have a, a short barrel that they're going to release that uh, is, how old was it? Was it 10 years? It's still 11 years. 11 years. But it's, 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 still, be... it's still from this run. 36 cases, I think 134, or, sorry, 36 bottles, six cases, 134 proof, which is abnormally high, but being a short barrel... Obviously, it's probably just concentrated. Um, but, you know, sticker price at the door, 200 
200. And so the problem, I think, is that these distilleries are at a little bit of a crossroads. I think Bellmead has done a better job than other distilleries. You know, like it or don't like it, they, they still are putting out the reserve, which is coming in at 60 bucks. You know, Blom Brothers still has that stuff of, you know, they, they still have that reserve of MGP they're able to release. They're going to get some more to hold themselves over until their stuff is ready and putting out different products with it. But a lot of the stuff that has come out, you know, it, it's a crapshoot. New Riff has had a positive response. Smooth Ambler has had a pretty negative response with their own stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it, too, really boils down to, I guess, I uh, probably don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because it deviates too much. But it, uh, I know. I just was bringing it up as a point, but you're right. I mean, it deviates. I, I think the, the kicker for all these new guys is if they have more than one mash of bourbon and or if they did a ride, just because the ride is going to turn quicker. Um, and that could be a show in and of itself is what happens after you come off the MGP, right? Exactly. Um, but, you know, trying to you know, steer back to the, the main thing we were really wanting to hit on hard today was, um, you know, not only is the perception created now of, ooh, anything with an age statement, MGP, it must be great. Well, then it's gotten even worse to where um, we're kind of back to those you know, times where people just really ham up for an, an, an older age product. Like, oh, this one's 12 years. Oh, this one's 13. Well, if it's part of a single barrel program, odds are at some point it was rolled out when it was 10 or 11. People left it for a reason. And then the real kicker here, which I think, you know, kind of makes it um, a double-edged sword, I guess, would be, Okay, it wasn't their best juice, so it wasn't picked while it was, you know, at least younger. Not young, but younger. Now it's sat there in wood, and more than anything, I mean, it seems to me at least, MGP's juice does not react too well with whatever wood they're using and just gets a super staunch, just bitterness and a harsh bite to it. Um, I mean, you could see it in some of those Bell Meads in the 11 years, and... You know, they just weren't as good as a lot of those tens. And then I think what they have left now, from what I've heard, the, the people that have done, uh, you know, some recent picks, is that it, it was clearly, you know, barrels that weren't picked and have also, you know, just like a, a lot of us, aging may not be kind to. Well, and I, I think that's a good point, but I think the hole I would put in your argument is when you say people don't, don't pick them for a reason – I think the question then becomes, do people not pick them because they need more time resting in the wood? Or did they not pick them because they missed their prime? And I think that is the bigger If it's 10 here. years plus and it needs more time, I Just mean, saying. the training wheels should be off. I will, I will come out right now and say it that I think 13-year MGP, when MGP gets to a certain age statement, it turns on me. And there is so much oak in there. Now, if you like oak, if you like oak, you're buying all of these up. But it's not its not oak. It's, it's a bitter bite of dryness. I mean, it's, it's not a wood flavor. I mean, I don't think you can call it oak in the sense of you're, you're not tasting wood. You, you, you're getting something else. 
you know, and I remember when we did an MGP blind show before and we had those ones that were a little bit younger. I mean, it's also why Mic Drop has done so well is because it is a blend of so many different ones and it's around that eight years old. I mean, let's talk about some of the stuff on the table here. There is a single barrel of Bellmead that was a gift shop release. It is was distilled October 12th of 2006. It's 98.8 proof, so it's not the highest proof thing that we have on the table here, but it's 11 years old and it's great. But I have to tell you, you know, we always kind of, you always kind of don't want bias to come into play out of all the things that we've been drinking around this table. This Smooth Ambler Old Scout that is barrel 2867, it's a 10-year-old. It's not even a pick. It's just a regular old Old Scout. I got so much chocolate off of this. It The nose on it's amazing. And this was a fresh crack. You just opened it. And you were like, uh, let, let's see. I've been holding on to this one. I just got it. It's not a pick or anything. But that's been my favorite on the table so far. Oh, no. I, I squatted on those for a reason. I liked them. Um, but, I mean, the Bellmead, I would say, is my second favorite. But then the Dark Horse here, I just want to say, this four-year W.H. Harrison Governor's Reserve, now it is a barrel proof, so it's 120 proof. It is, uh, you know, flat out distilled in Indiana. We know it's MGP. It's done by Harrison Bourbon in Brazil, Indiana. And... This stuff at four years is pretty dang good. There's a little bit of corn there, which surprising how much you like it, considering it has some corn. But I almost want to do, I mean, you and I have talked about this, and, and you suggested it. I don't want to take credit for your idea. We could put this in one of our aging barrels for a week or two and see what happens. You yeah, know? I don't think it would take much to turn it. And, you know, to me, what I think is the most surprising about it is even, you know, Comparing it to mic drop, which, you know, I wouldn't say a knock, but if people had an angle of it they didn't necessarily like, it was that it maybe showed its youth a little too much in, in a sense of balance. Um, and, yeah, this one has some corn, but the proof's higher at 120, not by much, but it is. And at the same time, um, it doesn't throw off as much heat by any means. Uh, and that, that to me is pretty interesting as well. But another thing I'd written down that we kind of missed was an, I think another area where these people are missing things is just because it says MGP, Lord knows how many different mashes MGP has run over time. And over this, you know, 2005 and six window, like John's referencing, Lord knows how many mashes they ran during that. I mean, Things was still probably been being contract distilled. Probably still could have had some extra from that. Um, I mean, there's plenty of folks that will tell you the range and just all the smooth ambler picks is can be really across the board. So if they were really the first people grabbing barrels and they have that much range, then presumably, you know, different mashes were run and different barrels would have been there when anybody else was buying them up. So again, you can't just hear oh, it's from MGP, and assume it's going to have, you know, even a, a, a somewhat broad angle profile as far as expecting. Uh, I know especially, I don't think either one of us had had OKI before. And 
I had a bottle. I, I didn't mind the bottle I had, but... What year was it? I don't even know. At this point, I, I drank it. I finished it um, Yeah, I'd last a, year or sometime. I had a sample a while back, probably easily over a year ago, and it just I just thought it was whatever. Um, but as we were getting ready for this, and uh, since I've had some a little bit of free time digging around and trying to organize things at home, I did find two different OKI 12-year samples, um, and they're both small batch, no finish or anything, but I mean, I had it first pull and I just thought Jesus what in the world is this um, didn't say a whole lot to John about it and uh, his his expression about 25-35 minutes ago when he uh, just took a, a, a nip off the bottle at least confirmed what I, what I had found in both samples that I had of just out of balance out of whack uh, the the note I put forward or told some friends when we were talking about this was uh, it's literally like hairspray coated over fruit loops but people were now trading this stuff for william larue weller or six hundred dollars or george t stag it's definitely guys it's not worth this much oh no i mean it, it it's gotten out of hand that, that I, I guess that you know such a lack of i guess awareness just simply oh mgp well such and such was mgp i mean but that's such a just a, a a huge umbrella rabbit hole. Everyone look at it, knowing that they have so many different mashes that they still actively distill or you know have experimental stuff. I mean, look how much people do the same thing over and over. You know, Buffalo Trace or anyone else, Jack Daniels, Jim Bean. I mean, they're all going to have a little bit of variance, and that's running one mash over and over and over. And it's so much more nuanced than people give it credit for. And, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. We've already had a show on this. You should go back and listen to the Runaway Ice Cream Truck episode. But Willet is very similar in the sense that people see the name Willet. They automatically are going to assume one thing. It is much more nuanced on barrel numbers and and where they're actually getting things from. And that's the thing with MGP is that people hear MGP, they automatically think it's good. Now, the difference between Willet and MGP is that Willet was buying that from other people. So there are barrels that they got from other people that are really, really good. There's some that are eh, but it's the same almost in MGP that you have to look at barrel numbers of the companies that buy mgp well even though you have to know you have to know time it is the same in the sense of if you know will it sources from other places other places use different mashes well mgp i mean (laughs) there's a reason they're called a one-stop shop between you know white products and brown products no matter what it is they've got plenty of all of them and plenty of recipes in every category i'm more than certain Yep, and they'll age it for you, and there is a lot of benefit to that. But it's more nuanced than just saying, oh, it's from that place, I know it's good. I think of even the variance between, so let's use something that's coming out right now that everybody's going crazy over. This year's BTAC versus last year's BTAC. There is variance each year between the run of product that comes out. And there are people that say, you know what? George T. Stagg is really good this year. Um, 
you know, insert year here, but it's not really good in these years. Same thing with Weller or Sazerac or Eagle Rare. You know, a lot of people say this year's Eagle Rare is better because the proof is a little bit higher on it. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things that even within distilleries, just like this one is with MGP, it's a distillery. There's a lot of different nuances between barrels. And, you know, I think that, you know, obviously always holds true. Another, you know, note I had written down and thought of somewhere was back when, um, you know, the Bloms sent samples to the Middle Tennessee area. You know, there's a few that circulated and um, I was able to try a few of them. And granted, we didn't get to side by side it or blinded it right then. But when I tasted all four, I said, well, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick this. But honestly, I think the 10 year small batch sitting on your shelf that I've already drank two of would completely crush any of these four 11 year single barrels. And, you know, I don't mind saying that. I really thought it would. It just had a, a better sweetness and overall just nice, easy drinkability to it. Well, and, and you think it's scattered. I mean, I think our, our thesis is pretty solid throughout the, you know, don't believe the hype. There's going to be plenty of people out there that are spending that money on it, but there is going to be something else. There is another MGP product out there that's not $600. I, I don't... Hopefully. No, hopefully, but you know, if you can get these things at retail and you like it, then fine. But it doesn't necessarily mean you should run out and drop everything. I, I don't... You know, it's capitalism at its finest, and that's fine. But when we're paying 600 bucks for something on secondary, distilleries are going to charge more for their product. See a $200 short barrel. Well, and, you know, like anything else, because um, I'm, I'm sure there are folks that are spending that much money on these bottles and some put them on a mantle and, and some drink them and that's fine either way. But to the guys out there that are, you know, are cracking these open and spending that much money for a drinker, uh, I would really implore you to, you know, reach out and uh, get on some of the sample pages or, or hit up folks that you know have some smooth amblers sitting around that are cracked. Get you a few samples from from some good picks of smooth ambler, the old scout line, uh, you know, the nine ten. I think they had even had some eleven year picks probably. But but try those out and and then search those bottles out and see what they will sell for as opposed to what the uh, newest, latest, and greatest uh, hype beast is. And I, I think you might be pleasantly surprised. I would completely agree with you. And I guess my uh, my second question would be, and I don't think John has the answer. It's just more of an open uh, observation. MGP's not dumb. They see what this stuff goes for. I mean, yeah, they know what they can sell it for and not have to deal with marketing, et cetera. But at the end of the day, every company has a bottom line and money's money. They started up the Remus line. Will they slowly begin wean off the contract distills and, and the selling of the juice to put out their own lines and, and get 100% profit? I think their lines will be more, I think they'll, they'll produce more for those, but they're making too much money contract distilling that, and they already kind of have the machine going that I, I don't think they're going to, they wouldn't kill the machine. You know, I but, see what you're saying, and it's kind of almost you know pointing the, the, the knife, so to, so to speak, back at myself because I've always harped at John simply because he sits on more of the uh, the various MGPs we both have, and I just 
go to town on them and tell them, well, it's MGP. It might be a different label, might be from a different state, store, etc. But no matter what, we're always going to have MGP out there. And then as I think about it now, what if they really, uh, you know, tightened down that spigot and said, why is everybody else getting rich and famous off of us? We'll just keep all the money. Which I think allows, so I would put it this way. If everybody thinks that the, uh, if everybody thinks highly of MGP and the products that are going out there and they're putting good products out to Bell Mead, they're getting put, putting good products out to Blom Brothers, etc. Like these are the ones that are out right now. We know that the stuff that they're holding back has to be the best, right? And I'm not saying that's a definite. I'm not saying that's a hundred percent true, but I'm saying that you would, one would think, right? It, it's, and I'm not saying it's true or not, but perception becomes reality. So they might contract distill and give stuff out to those other distilleries, but they can charge a hundred bucks a bottle for Remus, or maybe it starts becoming two hundred or three hundred, and and they're not producing as much. <laughs> I mean, gonna be a lot of those on the shelf. But Kentucky Owls going for three hundred bucks right now and selling out. We have the limited edition of Four Roses this year going for one forty, one fifty. Al Young was one forty. We we have products that are going for more, oh, and no, people it. are paying for it, it. It's funny because the latest and greatest of everything seemingly goes for more than any previous year's releases. Look at birthday. 2017 birthday, at least last I saw, it was more expensive than 16, 15, 14, and probably 13. I mean, you, you can't tell me that I didn't see any reviews saying this was the best thing since sliced bread or it's the best birthday in 10 years. Why does it suddenly go for more? I mean, unless a whole lot of people in secondary had a whole bunch of kids they were trying to get a bottle for, I don't see a reason behind it. I'll never see a reason behind some things. And these are the things that we can sit here and debate and have conversations about. But, you know, the moral of the story is I feel like this was a 30 minute PSA to just say, guys, look both ways before you cross the street. Don't just jump in to something. Don't pay $600 blindly just because of a name. You know, know the barrels, know what's good. Get a sample. Try it with friends. Because not all of these are created equal. And I would have to say, ranking still stays the same from all that we've been drinking at the table. Old Scout was number one for me. That Bell Mead was number two, the single barrel. And then uh, that that Harrison was uh, surprising at number three. So Zeke, you tasted these. I know I just gave a ranking, but you tasted them. Let, let me know what you think about them. I did. I kind of took short notes in between uh, our opinion back and forth. And I'll just run through this rather quickly so apologies no official note taking but mic drop i said it was a little hot a little young everything about it was uh, in the front and uh, nothing on the back the harrison less than four year cash strength blend um i just put down it does have corn but it's drinkable uh, i'm really intrigued by the price a uh, good friend how andy, much is it i, I really don't know uh, a good friend andy mckeeman sent this to us you know, I've traded stuff off and on uh, for a while now, um, so I'll definitely try to find that out. The only thing I can possibly ponder on is maybe since it does note that it's part of a high rye mash, is if somehow the sweetness from the high rye um, is kind of complementing that corn and just giving it more of a sweet flavor than just 
um, corn, sorry for lack of better descriptions, but <laughs> I don't know the words to say, but that really is the way it seems to me. Um, the Pingree, part of a Valentine distilling, the, the balance between the bitter and the oak is better as far as uh, being a cash drink product, but at the same time, it really misses a lot of um, what I would call signature MGP juice that you know everyone or everyone is falling in love with or has, however you look at it. As far as on nose and palate, it just had a very different, unique flavor. Um, I had never been too big a fan of it. I don't uh, dislike it, but I guess maybe in the back of my mind, I just always expect the MGP that's an olfactory memory and it's not there. It's fifty four ninety nine. Huh. Not bad, but for let's see, uh, the Bellmead Reserve. Um, this is the blend. I've had a few of these batches, and to me, they're all just a hot mess. Sorry, that's the best note I have for it. Uh, the Smooth Ambler, ten-year-old um, Scout, one hundred seven proof. To me, it, it it really is just balanced all around. It's not the best bottle I've ever drank by any means, but it is very balanced and just a very great drinker that you know you could walk, knock out in a night and. You'd feel bad, but you wouldn't. Uh, the Bellmead 11-year that was gift shop, the one at 98.8 proof. Um, to me, it really seemed that the lack of proof allowed that oak to be more enjoyable. Um, I don't know. It's something I haven't really had a chance to explore or look into, but it just doesn't seem to have that bitter, staunchy bite to it. Um, and then also, uh, in addition to the Harrison, we... Uh, we're sent a sample of um, Harrison's Presidential Reserve. It's a 16-year MGP small batch. It's non-filtered, but at 90 proof, I'm going to assume they added some water to it. Um, and for 16 years, man, I mean, it it's nice. It's a good pour. The, the oak and age seem really in check and balanced. I think this batch was like 900-something bottles, so a pretty good-sized batch, but... Um, at least, you know, you and I always say MGP doesn't age well, quote unquote, but at 16 years, that's a really good drink. In conclusion, bourbon is a rabbit hole. <laughs> Either way, though, don't waste money on all this MGP that's hyped right now. But what we want you to do is waste your time following us on Instagram <laughs> at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, on Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Join our Facebook group, Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Let's continue this conversation. I think it could go on for a lot longer. Listen to our podcast on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Podknife, TuneFM, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, we're everywhere. Please leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you like us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message directly. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Good old Nashville, Tennessee, or, well, I guess still in Nashville, Tennessee, but changing diapers and all that good jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still doing that. Hopefully one day our older kids will be uh, hey, bud. potty trained. Baby poo smells just as bad, just as bad as it did two years ago. <laughs> On that note, we'll talk to you all soon. Cheers. (laughs)